spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs. Well, aloha and good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in here to Spotlight Hawaii on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. I'm Ryan Kalei joined by Yanji Denise. And this morning, we're going to be focusing in on Aloha Stadium and a project uh, that has drawn a lot of attention over the past few years. Yeah, and it is something that we expect to be talking about for the next few years as well. The legislature looking at funding this uh, with $350 million in general obligation bonds this session, and it could really change the whole way we interact in that area, whether you live there or not. Uh, so this morning, we have invited State Senator Glenn Wakai and Chase Shigemasa, who is the president of Neighborhood Board 18, which encompasses that area, to join us here to give us an update on where the project stands right now, and also uh, you know, give us a little bit of information when it comes to some of the pushback and why they both believe that this is a good project. So, Senator, let's start with you. Uh, where are we in the process right now? We are at in the red zone, if I could use uh, football analogies. We're we've spent uh, 12 years getting prepared for for this moment, and we're just in the red zone. We need to get it across the goal line, and in order. To do that, we need $350 million, which is being discussed uh, as I speak in this legislative session. And then we need to get an RFP out, a request for a proposal. We have three entities that are willing and able and eager to get going on the construction of the stadium. But keep in mind, we're, there are two parts to this entire project. The stadium itself, which is going to be about 25 acres. And then around it, as you see in this picture, is going to be a very dynamic multi-use district, which could include everything from housing to theaters, to shopping centers, to workplaces, to all kinds of uh, ideas are on the table. That part hasn't been sorted out yet, but uh, we are looking at a 25-acre stadium surrounded by a bunch of mixed use. It's going to really be a vibrant place that draws in the not just the immediate community, but the entire island. And we're going to create perhaps the number one visitor attraction uh, to churn out and create more jobs for our neighbors. And Chase, I wanted to get I'll bring you in here. What are what have you been hearing uh, through this process and from those in the community who live in the area? Uh, what are they saying about this project and where we're at right now with uh, the stadium? Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Youngji, for having uh, me here today as well. Uh, and thank you for Spotlight Hawaii Homeless or Advertiser. What the community uh, has been concerned about from the start of the project was the traffic concern. Now, as you as you already know, uh, we currently are uh, we, we pr prior to the stadium uh, shutting down uh, the actual stadium itself because it, it couldn't be used by uh, participants, uh, we were already uh, footing that burden of the traffic during certain times. So the community was well aware and uh, the community at this point in time, uh, the majority of the community support the project, uh, but have that concern about traffic. And, you know, those concerns were brought up with the, the Department of Accounting and General Services, who is uh, leading the project currently right now. Um, and they have made sure that they include that uh, concern in their pro in, in their process uh, by, by ensuring that we have access to rail, that we have access to ride share, 
and, and that there's a positive or, or good uh, egress and regress throughout the community. And that's why you see uh, those planned roads in the, in, in the proposal or the rendering uh, to take that load off of Salt Lake Boulevard. Okay. Uh, we always like to bring in questions from the audience. Uh, Senator, we'll start with you on this one. This one's from Heidi. Will there be public-private partnerships to create affordable homes in this new development? Sort of two questions, the public-private partnership nature of the project overall. And then let's talk about housing because there has been a lot of focus on just how many units will be created under the current plan. And some, including three former governors, Wahe'e, Abercrombie, and Cayetano, calling for this to be a pure housing-only project, taking sports out of the equation. Sure. For To answer the first question, this is going to be the state's biggest and most ambitious public-private partnership. And so we're going to put up $350 million for the stadium, not a dime more. Um, and then the private sector, if they want to build a $600 million stadium, they're going to pay that difference. Um, the outside mixed use that's going to take two decades to build out, that will be another tranche of money. But for the stadium itself, it's only going to be $350 million with public-private partnership. Part of the reason why we have rail the way it is today is it's because it's 100% financed by the public, 100% run by bureaucrats. This stadium development is going to be different. It's going to be some government people at the table, but a lot of private sector folks who bring finance, who bring technical expertise, and who bring private sector expectations. Uh, to the second part of that question, the public-private par partnership will also work on the affordable housing front. Right now, we, that RFP I talked about, the request for proposal, has on, this, on the books a request for 3,000 housing units on the property. So it's not going to be devoid of any kind of housing there. It's just going to be at about 3,000 uh, units. And uh, we have some renderings of what it would look like if we put 20,000 units on there. And that's what this looks like. This is something that's being advocated by some in the community, but I will argue and hopefully you will see that that's probably not a ideal looking setup for us to monetize and bring this area to life. And others have even advocated for 100,000 units. And that's what that looks like. I mean, you think Hong Kong is bad. This is going to be terrible for us uh, in the future. You're going to need to have a drone to go find where the stadium is. So um, there's going to be housing there public private partnership is going to be what's building it but it's going to be 3000 unit not units not as depicted here at 100000 units and chase we know that there are uh, also as as the senator uh, highlighted that there will be an entertainment district as well um, I'm wondering just the thoughts of the community about this sector of it. Of course, Aloha Stadium, known for what it's known for right now, bringing a lot of people in for games, for concerts and such. Uh, but this really changes the overall face and dynamics of the environment of the community by bringing in more than just a stadium. Uh, what, what have you heard about this added on uh, entertainment's uh, component to this project? Well, a part of the project uh, during the planning stages, uh, there were many community meetings and a lot of community members voiced their concern on uh, making sure that there's a lot of good public space, meaning that there's good green space, good parks. Uh, and so as you can see in the renderings uh, that they've planned uh, for that as well. Um, so we're not looking at all commercial properties. We're looking at uh, more parks. We're looking at a possible amphitheater um, that, that people can have their picnics on uh, or, or have a picnic with their families. Uh, and so that, that, 
part of the revitalization of this uh, portion of the district is, is so important because it gives uh, our, our members of our community uh, something very close near them that they can go and uh, live, uh, excuse me, play with their families. You know, Chase, I want to follow up as someone, uh, we know that you've lived there your whole life, lifelong resident of that community. What are your concerns when it comes to the housing piece? We know that people in Honolulu and urban Honolulu and beyond, you know, statewide, we need more housing. We need more affordable housing. Do you think 3,000 units, uh, and that's not all affordable, of course, uh, is enough? Do you think there should be more housing? What are you hearing from the people that you represent on the neighborhood board? Currently, the neighborhood board would like to see no more than 2,000 units there. Um, so uh, we were definitely working with the legislators uh, and the uh, administrator for the project to ensure that uh, the community's voices are heard. The, recently, the neighborhood board uh, at the last meeting uh, this month uh, just passed a resolution opposing more any more than 20,000 units. So we opposed 20,000 units and uh, we placed a caveat in there that we would not like to see more than 2,000, but definitely opposing the 20,000 and the 100,000. That's something that uh, it's, a, it's really hard to swallow. When you look at that uh, rendering of what that would look like to the community, so imagine the traffic that the community would have to deal with every single day. Uh, and that's something that this community does not want to see uh, happen uh, in, the, in the near future or any future. Senator, uh, if I'm wondering if you can share with us where we're at and for, in terms of the timeline, of course, we know that there uh, it's going through the process right now in the legislature, but uh, you know there have been talks that construction could begin next year. What is a realistic time frame and timetable you think for this project as a whole? Well, in the most optimistic scenario, we'll have about $350 million put into the budget come uh, end of May or early May. Uh, maybe the governor will sign that uh, bill and push it on through. Uh, the RFP can then be let out because right now there's some question from the developer as well. How much skin does the state have in the game? Right now we only have 170 million um, and we promised them 350 million. So we should get that all taken care of by the end of this legislative session. Um, RFP will go out perhaps this summer. We'll get a response. We'll hopefully pick one of the lucky three finalists uh, by the end of the year. And by February or so of next year, we could actually be tearing down the old Aloha Stadium and building one anew. Um, and the kind of cautious belief is that it'll take about two or so years to actually build the stadium. So in the scenario I painted, it could be done, a new stadium constructed by the fall of 2025. And let's expand a little bit on the cost of waiting. I know that you said at the top of the show that we are in the red zone. Uh, the longer this takes, the more money perhaps we spend waiting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, there was a study that showed that every month of delay cost the people of Hawaii a minimum of $2 million. And we've been kind of waiting for three years uh, in terms of putting together the process, chasing the money. So, you know, I, I appreciate people who think that housing is a priority, who have other ideas for the area. But the reality is we need a stadium. We need a dynamic district. And the more we have these distracting conversations, the more it's costing all of us and it's going to just continue to balloon at a certain point we need to pull the trigger and move forward with this project you know senator you uh have made comments somewhat critical of the administration and and their involvement in this project and moving things forward uh, i'm wondering if you can share your thoughts on on how the ega administration and the departments have handled this project and uh you know of course this is his last term in office what you believe will need to be done with this next administration 
I have been a little frustrated by this entire process. Um, and, you know, it's not all the fault of, of the EGA administration. COVID happened, right? We had $350 million in the bank. We had to pull back some of that to take care of COVID issues. So I understand why we, we were short uh, last year due to us having to re reduce our debt. But also last year, the governor had this idea that he thought that it would be smart to just put more money into refurbishing and fixing the stadium. That's a $30 million a year investment for X number of years. I, I, that is a sunk cost that is going to pay us very few dividends in the future. So I'm glad to hear that uh, since that statement last year, he's actually pivoted to embracing the stadium. We're now kind of stuck in this never-never uh, land where the a budget and finance office has to sign off on the release of the RFP. And they've been a little bit reluctant because of a lack of full funding, uh, just the, the, un, un, um, the, the nature of the financial market today. But I'm hopeful that come uh, May, we will all collectively, administration, legislatively, and most importantly, community, will go full bore in getting this project out the door. Chase, what are your hopes for this project, you know, once this does get underway? How do you think, just as somebody who lives in that area, this will transform your day-to-day? -day? So I think uh, the impacts of the project will, you know, uh, will not uh, impact us right away. Uh, I think we're, we're keen to the construction uh, that's going to happen in the future. Uh, but the real estate portion is a 10, 20-year project. Uh that, that, that's going to be expanded on uh, throughout the full acreage of the whole property. Um, that's really going to revitalize our economy and, uh, and revitalize the area. Um, so I think uh, the community uh, is, is susceptible to what's going to happen. And uh, I, you know, we haven't had uh, too much uh, uh, negativity towards the project. Uh, there are lots of concerns that community members have, but uh, definitely were addressed or are being addressed uh, currently um, in, in this ongoing process. Uh, we're looking forward to it as a community, and I think that's, uh, um, you know, the administration and the legislat legislature and Senator Wakai has, uh, you know, been very actively involved with the community and hearing the concerns of the community and taking those concerns uh, to the drawing board. You know, Senator, on a project like this, there are a lot of voices that are involved, a lot of different players, of course, as you mentioned, in the uh, public and private sector. I'm, I'm wondering uh, if one of those party and those roles of the University of Hawaii, obviously, is someone who would be a tenant of this facility and utilize it uh, for those home football games. How much of the role do you see the University of Hawaii playing in uh, the development, their voice, their thoughts on the stadium as a whole, being that they would this would be essentially their home stadium? Universe, the University of Hawaii football team is an essential tenant. I mean, they're the only tenant that has been there since the beginning of the stadium in 1975, right? The Islanders went away, other one-offs come and go, but the University of Hawaii has been there for 40, well, when it was built, it was, was utilized, 45 years as, as a tenant there. So they're super important to the future of the stadium. But also keep in mind that the University of Hawaii may play seven games there. So what are we going to do with the other days out of the year? We can't just have it sit fallow. So um, I'm working with the Stadium Authority Board, and we are out there, and we have secured letters of intent both from the United Soccer League. This is the kind of minor league. MSL is major league, and then USL is minor league. A letter of intent from the USL to play here. Also from Major League Rugby. Um, and collectively, MLR as well as USL have assured us that they're going to have 40 dates that they would play to bring in revenue. So what I'm working with the stadium authority on is having, you know, those two anchor tenants 
allow the University of Hawaii to play there for free. So the University of Hawaii, our home team, can take all of the ticket sales, can take all of the concessions, all of the parking, um, and really have the other two entities subsidize the operations of the stadium moving forward. And this is so unusual in government. A lot of times we build it and we hope that they're going to come. I'm trying to take a private sector approach where let's create demand and then build it because the demand warrants us to construct a $350 million stadium. And as you see depicted here, um, it's more than just going to be fit for football, right? Right now, it's too small, the current Aloha Stadium, to, to allow for soccer as well as rugby. But the picture you see here will allow for all of that, plus monster trucks, plus concerts, plus high school graduations, plus, plus, plus a lot of different things. Um, this really is going to be an exciting mixed-use stadium for all of us to enjoy. You know, I want to follow up on the sports teams question, because when we did have the former governors on this show a while back, they had said that in the past they personally had tried to secure teams to come here. But the distance and, you know, the geography that we face just as an island state uh, made it really untenable to to have a home team uh, of the caliber that you're kind of talking about. What is different now than when they tried to do it in the past? Two things are different now. Um, we have to be realistic. We're not going to get Major League Baseball. We're not going to get the NFL here. That's why we're aiming to what we really can accommodate, which is the USL and uh, Major League Rugby. Uh, USL, for example, is in the kind of million population markets, Lexington, Tennessee, Albuquerque, New Mexico. They're not in the Chicago's, LA's, and New York. So that's Hawaii is a sweet spot for them. And both rugby as well as soccer, the world has changed in the past 40 years where they're really looking to Asia as a launch pad and looking at Hawaii as their next post into getting into Japan, getting into China, getting into Korea, both with rugby as well as soccer. So that's what's changed. And the, uh, the location of Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific and the time zones to be playing a game here that can be seen in New York as well as in Tokyo makes Hawaii a prime spot for us to showcase uh, both football, uh, soccer, and rugby as uh, really, really awesome sports for us to share with the world. You know, Jason, you had highlighted uh, that this is a decades-long project. I mean, you know, we talked about the timetable for the stadium component, but when you talk about the entertainment district and all the other things that uh, could potentially pop up in this area, this is a long-term project. Have there been concerns by residents in the area of the length of time that it would take to get something like this, of what we're seeing, the completed renderings uh, up to full scale, that this is going to be something the community has to deal with for some time when it comes to construction? doesn't want to see another rail happen. Uh, and so uh, with the timetable given to the community right at this current moment, what the community sees is we see it as a way that the government or, or doesn't need to take money from our own pockets anymore. You know, if we're creating this revitalized district that is going to create revenue for the state and no longer uh, to dip into the pockets of yours and mine, uh, to maintain this stadium over the long term, I think that's what's the really uh, eye-opening factor uh, that we see that's different from the current uh, stadium uh, that we have today. 
Let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Senator. The state comptroller from the last article I read, and forgive me if I'm wrong, had said that their estimate was that it would generate about $40 million a year in tax revenue. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that's based on? Is that based on bringing in those teams? Uh, you know, how, how, if those teams are not part of the equation, does that 40 million number still stand? And, and what is the sort of revenue source, if you will, on that? I think that $40 million is inclusive of the mixed use around it. Uh, the stadium itself, I don't know if it's going to, it's going to take a little while to be cash positive. It's kind of like our convention center, right? We don't, we didn't build the convention center 20 years ago to be cash positive. We built it to be the lure to have conventions here and those conventioneers will stay in Waikiki hotels. So similarly with the stadium, uh, we're looking at the stadium, uh, hopefully covering most of their expenses one day, maybe 10 years down the road after you pay off all of its debt will be cash positive. But the $40 million that the comptroller spoke about was really, I think, for the mixed use that's going to go around the facility. And one thing that we fail to take advantage of in Hawaii is our lands. We're a state that is land rich, cash poor. We need to change that. We need to monetize our valuable lands. And keep in mind, just across the street from this entire entertainment district is the number two visitor attraction in the state of Hawaii. 1.8 million people go to the Arizona Memorial, and then they get on the bus or in the rental car, and then they leave. We have a golden opportunity to help them walk across the street and spend oodles and oodles of dollars being entertained, eating, uh, watching shows or, or what have you right there. This is a golden opportunity. Most businesses would love if I could deliver 1.8 million visitors right to their doorstep. And here we are um, really not paying attention to that huge consumer base there. And this place could really bring it alive. And who knows? perhaps far north of $40 million in revenue to the state. You know, when you look at the design elements, there have been some talks about where exactly the stadium would be located. Uh, I'm wondering if you can talk us through in, in some of those discussions and conversations that have been had about where the stadium would go and if it would sit uh, where the existing stadium is or if they would be built uh, further, I guess, uh, more towards uh, the Diamond Head side of the empty lots where often it's used for 50th State Fair and other events in that area uh, of the parking uh, area. Have there been conversations about where exactly the stadium would be placed? And if there is a preferential um, location, I guess, when to do this, and if, if any of that would help to expedite this process overall? I think that a, a number of years ago, there was talk of building the new stadium adjacent to the current stadium, but that was before that the the current stadium was deemed to be uh, unsafe. So because there's actually no activity whatsoever taking place at the stadium for spectators, um, it was thought that we just put it, the new stadium, right where we have it situated now. And that uh, change actually saved us $20 million because no longer do we have to drag electricity infrastructure down uh another football field away, a uh, few acres away. Uh, it'll be situated right there. It's kind of almost plug and play, right? Just tear down the old stadium, uh, cut the sewer line, water lines, and then reconnect them with the new stadium in its place. So that's the idea right now is to build it where the current stadium is. You know, Chase, you did mention community involvement. I'm interested to know just what your relationship has been like with the authority in, in putting this all together and making sure that your voice is heard. Obviously, I know you have a good working relationship with the senator, but tell us a little bit more about what the neighborhood uh, community input has been and, and how that process has been on your side. 
Yeah, definitely. So the uh, Aloha Stadium Authority uh, has, has come to our meetings every single month. We have a meeting every month on the second Thursday of the month uh, that's broadcasted uh, live uh, via Zoom due to the pandemic. Uh, and uh, at that meeting, as well as the Department of Accounting and General Services, uh, who's uh, Chris Kinimaka, who's the administrator of the project currently, um, they've been there at every single meeting. Uh, to hear the voices of the community. And then when we had the in, uh, community involvement uh, type discussions prior to COVID, uh, we actually were hosted at the, the whole community was hosted and anybody who wanted to come was hosted at the Aloha Stadium Hospitality Room uh, where we had the plants in front of us. We could put on these 3D goggles that we could put ourselves in any single location of the rendering, and we could see it in 3D what it would look like uh, as far as the renderings. And so at that meeting, uh, Ryan earlier talked about the placement of the stadium. At that meeting, there were three options at that time. Uh, now we have the one option that we are looking at today, uh, which is the final option, but there are three options. And one option put that uh, stadium much more closer to Cross Point, that community much more closer to Stadium Mall Marketplace, uh, and uh, the community was not uh, fond of that idea because it brought that uh, noise level closer to the community. And we've actually seen what that would do. Uh, there was a concert that was hosted uh, in that uh, area that we currently have, the 50th State Fair. And the noise that generated from that concert, that was uh, it was so loud that we saw that we don't really want to put a stadium that close to the community. And so now you see it much further away, closer to Kamehameha Highway. You know, our time is almost up here, uh, but we did want to provide a, a final opportunity for some final thoughts. Senator, we'll start off with you, uh, you know, with many people who uh, continue to watch this project evolve. I think there, again, this, there is that sense of, um, uh, you know, somewhat optimism, but also there's skepticism about it as well when you look at projects in the past and where we're at um, overall with, with where we're at with the stadium. Uh, your final thoughts as we move forward through this process and what your hopes are as we move along to build this new stadium. I totally understand the skepticism by the public. We've been at this for three years. Uh, legislatively, we fumbled the ball uh, for the process. Uh, we had to pull back some of the money. So I understand that people don't have the most confidence about government seeing this project through. But as I mentioned earlier, this is not your typical government project. This is not going to be rail 2.0. The public-private partnership is what's going to guide us forward to make this place really something different than any gov government uh, built uh, project in the past. And uh, for all of the things that we mentioned here, the economic opportunities, the just dynamic venue that's going to be created, this is something the community needs. And I hope that I know that there are going to be people who want to go and put housing and go make this entire place a park. But really, we really have a golden opportunity to monetize these lands. And with all of the proceeds from that monetization, we can go build affordable housing elsewhere on the rail line. If we were to just devote this entire parcel to affordable housing, Comptroller says that's going to cost $6 billion with no return to, to the public. I really think that this is an opportunity for us to do something dramatically different and exciting for the state. And Chase, we'll give you the last word just to those people who are skeptical, as the senator mentioned, you know, drawing a distinction there between this project and rail. Why is this, do you think, the right fit and the right time for this? It's, it's now or never. We're at, we're, it's eighth and goal. Uh, and we're we're ready to get that touchdown. And, and uh, what what we have to think about and, and and look at is if you're skeptical, join the conversation. 
you know, you're well more than welcome to come to the Alimanu Salt Lake Foster Village Airport Neighborhood Board or the IAEA Neighborhood Board uh, and uh, to share your concerns, share your thoughts, get your voice heard. Uh, you know, this has been a community, this will be a community-led, community-driven project in partnership with the state organizations and the private uh, sector partnership. So come on down, uh, get involved. We're more than happy to hear your manao and hear your thoughts. All right. Well, we thank you both for being a part uh, of our conversation here this morning and sharing your thoughts and insights on a project that uh, we will be tracking for some time uh, into the future. But I, I know that everybody hopes that uh, it's sooner rather than later. Uh, and so we can get something going out there. So thank you both very much for joining us this morning. Mahalo. Thank Mahalo. you. Thank you. Great to get that update on this project, uh, something that you just said. We are going to be talking about this for years to come. In the short term, the hope is that from Senator Wakai and uh, Mr. Shigemasa, along with other people who are advocating for this project, that the legislature does commit those that $350 million in general obligation bonds to get this off the ground. And then that will, of course, uh, trigger the RFPs going out and getting some uh, actual commitment from developers on bringing this to, to life. The first, you know, it really, if you think about it, it's really two projects in one. There is the stadium part that happens right away. And then there is the one to two decade development, real estate development all around there, and and some very different agendas when it comes to the housing piece. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about that. You heard uh, Chase there say that the neighborhood board really wants to cap it at 2,000 and definitely not the 20,000 units that some have been talking about. Uh, right now, the RFP is calling for 3,000 units, and those would be a variety, not all affordable. And we see from the comments there, a lot of folks are saying, you know, this needs to be affordable housing. Of course, that's a you know, an issue that we could spend many shows on. Yeah, and we saw those renderings of what exactly it would look like when you combine uh, those affordable housing with uh, the, potentially the stadium as well and what that land area would be used for. Uh, and really the senator and, and both Chase highlighting that that is something that uh, they feel is not in the best interest of the community, uh, would not be a good makeup of what the area looks like. And, uh, you know, they want to see this moving forward as more of an opportunity to help uh, bring in tax dollars and to bring in new interest and new life into a community. You also heard the senator's thoughts about how they plan to utilize it beyond just the University of Hawaii Athletics, but finding other opportunities with uh, minor league soccer as well as rugby, finding other concert opportunities and utilizing the entertainment districts based off of what uh, the visitors that attend uh, Pearl Harbor in that space as well. And so uh, they see this as more of an opportunity to help it, not only provide a stadium for the state, but also to raise money for uh, the state as a whole through tax dollars and other partnerships that they hope that this facility and this area will bring. Right, and those sports teams could be a huge boon to the UH Athletics uh, organization. That was interesting to hear, and I had not heard that in the past, that the senator was ho is hoping that bringing in these other teams would help to subsidize the cost for the University of Hawaii. They have been a tenant of Aloha Stadium uh, since the beginning, and they have uh, paid, paid a lot in uh, revenue shares there. Uh, for the opportunity to play at Aloha Stadium, the idea that the university would be able to recapture 100% of the ticket sales and the parking uh, certainly would appeal to the university. That, of course, contingent on securing those, uh, you know, commitments from those other teams. Yeah, and we also heard uh, from senators' thoughts about, uh, you know, the current administration and their uh, participation in this. He did say that he is happy now that the governor seems to support this project moving forward and uh, we'll look forward to working with the next administration on that. 
uh, on Friday, we will be speaking to somebody who hopes to take over that office and this project as a whole. That's right. We are going to be hearing from uh, gubernatorial candidate Heidi Suniyoshi. She, of course, is a sitting member of the Honolulu City Council. She has declared her intention to run as a, as a Republican candidate for governor. So we are very excited to talk to her about this issue and more. Remember, this show is also a podcast. So later this afternoon, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to look for Spotlight Hawaii. Subscribe there and share that with your friends. Not everybody likes to watch on Facebook, but we know that everyone has time for a podcast. So until Friday, we wish you a fond farewell, and we'll see you right back here with Heidi Suniyoshi, Friday, 10.30. Aloha. We'll see you then. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs.